0: Greetings and welcome to the Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and today I have Bishop Peter Smith joining me, and we're going to speak a little bit about the role of the bishop, his particular role here in the Archdiocese in Portland, and some of the ways our bishops teach, and they lead, and they sanctify, and just the way that they guide us into a life with Jesus Christ. And so as we begin, welcome, Bishop Smith, it's great to have you back.
2: Good to be back with you, Dina Marie, and uh, all those folks who are listening along on uh, Catholic Radio Northwest. Great to be with you all.
0: Well, for our listeners, I remember way back, I think it was when you were a deacon working and serving us at All Saints Church in Northeast Portland. Uh, The Brotherhood at that point was living there on our property in one of the buildings, and so we had this exposure to this people of praise. There you were amidst the group, and here was this uh, soon-to-be priest with this South African voice, and we thought, wow, he's going to be tremendous in our community. Who would have thought, did you ever think, you would be auxiliary bishop? today?
2: <laughs> I never in my wildest <laughs> dreams expected I'd be in this position because I was older when I entered the seminary. I was 38. I was ordained at age 43. And generally speaking, they don't look at you for possible um, elevation to being a bishop until you're at least 20, sometimes 25 years in because they want to have a track record. So when I got it ordained, which was uh, in July, uh, June 9th, 2001, so that's 20 plus years ago, 20 years and six months ago, I was looking at this saying, okay, I will serve as pastor at one parish, because I, I, I was did my transitional deacon year at All Saints, along with uh, when Father John Kearns was mm-hmm. there, and then I was ordained and did three years at Our Lady of the Lake as a parochial vicar with uh, Father Joe McMahon, and then two years studying canon law, and then... I was pastor up at St. Rose for seven years, seven wonderful years, great folks there. And then Archbishop Sample arrived and uh, pulled me out uh, three months after he arrived <laughs> to come down here and work for him and the archdiocese as vicar general and moderator of the curia. Seven months later, I get the phone call from the nuncio, which uh, I was stunned, to, to, be, to be honest with you, uh, the whole thing. But it's just that—that's how the whole thing transpired, and uh, I never would have, never would have believed that this is the situation. But you know, in my life—I had to write uh, uh, an account of my uh, what my journey to the priesthood for the Year for Priests back in about 2008. And it was published as one of a bunch in a book from uh, uh, the Word Among Us Press. And I, what, what am I going to entitle a chapter? And put there. God is full of surprises, <laughs> and they keep coming. I never would have guessed. But here we are, and you know this is where God has placed me. I would never have expected this, but now I have to serve the church and serve the Lord in this situation, right. which I'm grateful and glad to do.
0: And give the listeners, just in case they're not familiar with the Brotherhood of the People of Praise, because you came as part of a community, and so although you serve and work here in the Archdiocese, you also have this other um, connection with the, with the religious community.
2: Yeah, People of Praise generally is it's, it's a lay movement, a lot uh, in the church, made up of families and older and younger singles. And within it, there's a group of sisters and a group of brothers, and I am part of the, the group of brothers. And our identity is very clear. We're all brothers, some of whom happen to be ordained. So I live in a house, I don't live in, the, in a residence for the bishop, I live in the house with my community in North Portland with uh, two other priests, Father Chuck Wood, who's currently pastor at St. Wenceslas in Scapoose, and then Father Dave Shaw, who teaches at Central Catholic. And then three brothers, uh, one of whom heads the house and does formation and the other two who teach, and one teaches full-time, one teaches part-time, and works as a pastoral associate in a parish. So we're involved in the life, life of faith and life in the church, so we came here because we were looking for a way for some of our men to be ordained, but still fully live the life of community. To do that, we had to set up a new association, and at the time, then Archbishop Francis George brought us to the diocese, and of course he left within a year, But Archbishop Vlasny was incredibly generous to us and continued that arrangement, and that's continued uh, with Archbishop Sample. So we're a private association of the faithful in the archdiocese.
0: And you mentioned um, before you were appointed as auxiliary bishop, you came on as vicar general, moderator of the Curia. What are those two roles? How do they serve with the archbishop and just with the needs of a particular diocese or archdiocese?
2: Okay, I'm going to back up a little (laughs) bit and just explain all this. So... What is an auxiliary bishop right. and what, what's an archbishop? So there are two types of bishops in the world, and one, uh, the, 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 the one kind of bishop is the bishop of a place, mm-hmm. an ordinary. So he is the bishop of a diocese or an archdiocese. This, because this is an archdiocese, archbishop Sample is the bishop of this archdiocese. Then there's what they have called titular bishops. So these are uh, men who are appointed bishops who are not from currently existing dioceses. So what they do is through the history of the church, we have all these old dioceses that have been suppressed or replaced and so on, but they're still there. So what they will do is they will appoint you a bishop of, what a, of one of those titular dioceses and then assign you to work somewhere. So most of the, the bishops in Rome that are working in the Curia uh, have have titular diocese somewhere, and an auxiliary bishop is the same position. We're bishops, and we're assigned bishop of a titular diocese, and then we as are assigned to assist this bishop or archbishop in his work in, in his diocese or archdiocese. So I'm the bishop of the diocese of Tubanai in Mauritania, which goes back to Roman province in North Africa, that as near as I've been able to figure out is somewhere between Morocco and Algeria. Mm. So that's technically where I'm the bishop of. But I'm assigned to the Archdiocese of Portland to assist Archbishop Sample in his work in leading the archdiocese. And that's that's how auxiliary bishops function. Uh, a little bit of trivia here. Before the Portland became an archdiocese, the first archdiocese here was Oregon City. Mm-hmm and that was uh, Archbishop Blanchet was the one who got that. Currently an American is the titular bishop of Oregon City, and that's Archbishop de Noia. He's a Dominican who works in the CDF in Rome. So we have fun with him about— because uh, you're not supposed to go back and visit that that territory. So <laughs> we have fun <laughs> with him on occasion about— uh, he, he's got Oregon City as as the titular diocese. So generally speaking, that's that's how that works. In levels of bishops, you've got five, five sort of gradations. So you start from the bottom, which is an auxiliary bishop or a titular bishop. Then you have a bishop of a diocese or an ordinary. Then you have an archbishop, who may be an ordinary or titular bishop. Then the next level up is cardinal, which are advisors to the pope, and then obviously the pope at, at the highest rank of a bishop. So those are the levels that we have. Now, in terms of vicar general and moderator, the curia, so a bishop or archbishop is appointed to head a diocese or archdiocese. So he needs to take care of those three functions you meant at the mm-hmm. beginning, priest, prophet, and king, so the, the, the uh, sacramental life, uh, the teaching element, and the governance. That's hard to do, particularly if you have a diocese like Los Angeles or New York or Chicago particularly Los Angeles, they've got five million Catholics there. you know. So how can one archbishop do that? So canon law sets up that the, the legislative authority of the bishop can never be delegated. The judicial authority can be. So that's why we have judicial vicars in a diocese. A vicar means somebody who stands in the place of another. So in a parish, they have a parochial vicar, and the parochial vicar acts— in the name of the pastor with the authority of the pastor if the pastor isn't there to act. So you have that in a parish, so in the same way with a bishop, a bishop can appoint a vicar general, and the vicar general has all the executive power of the bishop or archbishop. So I have all the executive powers of Archbishop Sample, although he is the head of the diocese. So the vicar general is there, and then the, uh, the moderator, the curia, is the person the curia is the or all the offices that assist the bishop or the archbishop in his governance of the diocese? So the Pope, we talk about the curia in Rome. Those are all the the offices and departments that assist the Pope. In a diocese or an archdiocese, a bishop has that. So where's the bishop's curia here, so to speak? It's the pastoral center. Mm-hmm. So moderator of the curia effectively means I'm head of the pastoral center. So let me put this in business terms. Archbishop Sample is the president of the corporation. Mm-hmm. He's number one. As auxiliary bishop, the way it's set up here, other dioceses do it differently, mm-hmm. but the way it's set up here is the vicar general and moderator, the curia, currently is me, and I happen to be a bishop. The, the previous ones were not. That's somewhat accidental, but the... the, the uh, The vicar general is like the chief executive officer, and the moderator of the curia is like the chief operating officer of the corporation. And we have another wrinkle here. We have a chief administrative officer, and that's Jo Wilhite, and she takes care of all the business side of our operations and does a stellar job. Uh, Mm -hmm. She's just been a wonderful asset to the archdiocese uh, over the years that she's worked here. So that, that's how we set it up. Different dioceses do it differently, uh, depending on their size, the complexity, and what's going on. The major, the major archdioceses, like Los Angeles, they divide it into five regions, and there's an auxiliary bishop sort of head of the, over those regions. Others do it differently. Mm-hmm. So, but that's how we're set up.
0: Now, we're familiar, I think, mostly with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, all of the bishops within the United States, but what about just regionally? Who, who, who's that community of local bishops that maybe interact on a more regular basis or, or work together within their particular region?
2: Yeah, that's another wrinkle. So in, in, in the United States, I think, um, I think we have a grand total of 194 Archdiocese, diocese, archepochies, and eparchies. And those last two terms come from our Eastern Rite right. brothers and sisters. So we have all these dioceses and they're grouped together in regions, and a region is made up of several provinces. So you have an a, uh, archdiocese with some suffragan sees. Suffragan means they're subject to, but only in very, very limited ways. So, the archbishop, who's the, called the Metropolitan Archbishop Sample, is that. So, he has a, a few responsibilities. So, one is when the, the suffragan see has a new bishop appointed, um, he will ordain that man bishop unless the man is already a bishop. And then they just install him. So, that's what happened recently in the Diocese of Helena with Bishop Vetter when he was appointed. He was Father Vetter and then was ordained a bishop. So that's how we sort of build our structure up. And the United States is uh, in the Catholic Church, it's like all other spheres of the. Americans have a gift for (laughs) organization and sorting things out. And so the U.S. church is very sort of organized and sorted. So we have, of all these dioceses and archdioceses, eparchies and archeparchies, we have 15 regions, and they're geographical got 15 regions, 14 of them are Latin Rite, which is what most of us are, Um, and then then one of them is all the Eastern Rite churches. So that would include here in the Archdiocese of Portland, St. Charbel, Mm -hmm. St. Irene's, St. Michael's down in Springfield, the Ukrainian church. Those churches, their bishops are all in one region. And whenever you see the U.S. bishops meeting and we're celebrating mass, you can always tell those guys, because they have much nicer and fancier vestments <laughs> than the rest of us. So our region here, we are in Region 12 in the Northwest. And Region 12 is made up of three archdioceses and the suffragan sees. So, and the states that are covered in Region 12 are Alaska, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and Montana— so, it's a fairly decent sized region. Mm-hmm. And within that, we have the Archdiocese of Anchorage, Juneau, and their suffragan see, which is Fairbanks. You have the Archdiocese of Seattle, and their two suffragan sees, which are Yakima and Spokane. And you have the Archdiocese of Portland, with its four suffragan sees, which are Baker, Boise, Helena, and Great Falls Billings. So, that's what makes up the region. Now, the province, if you take a province, we have three provinces. One would be Anchorage along with uh, Fairbanks. Another one would be Seattle or with Yakima and Spokane. And the third one is Portland with Baker, Boise, Great Falls, and Helena. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we sort of organize it on the way up. Right. But those dioceses, the bishops of those dioceses are not under the direct authority of the archbishops. It's just a grouping together to help us move things forward. The archbishop, the metropolitan archbishop, does have some very limited authority over the suffragan sees, but usually only when directed to do so by the nuncio or the Holy See.
0: Okay. And I know, Bishop Smith, you recently had a retreat for that region, for the regional bishops, those with the weather could make it in actually Mount Angel, Oregon. But maybe share a little bit about that retreat and just the opportunity for, especially for a new year, for the times that we're in right now, the the value for bishops to come together in a retreat setting to have some spiritual time together.
2: Yes, it was last week. It was a wonderful retreat done by Abbot Jeremy Driscoll, who's just a wonderful presenter. Um, Anything Abbot Jeremy does is well worth going to. Mm -hmm. I'm one of his students, and uh, uh, Abbot Jeremy is a terrific teacher and a spiritual man as well. So it's just uh, a great blessing. Uh, We decided this time no more of these Zoom meetings. We're meeting in person, and everyone wanted to do that. However, with the, uh, uh, we have four retired bishops in the region. Only one of them, Archbishop Blasney, was able to come. The others were because of the bad weather and also because of, of COVID restrictions. So we did Zoom, uh, live stream uh, the main sessions to, to the other brothers who weren't able to make it. There were, I think, three more that couldn't make it either because of uh, being snowed in. Right. So like Bishop Carey and Baker, Mm, he couldn't mm-hmm. get over the mountains because yeah. he was driving um, Bishop Vetter. All his flights were canceled. Archbishop Belisario from Anchorage, they, they canceled yeah. all their flights for three days. Those are bishops of diocese. who couldn't make it. So normally, uh, each region bishops in the U.S. does a retreat. They do it at different times of the year. We tend to do it here in the first week in January. Because things are quieter mm-hmm. and it's moved around. Uh, we have in the past generally used um, the Palisades retreat house up in Federal Way. Uh, there have been some other variations. When we did the Adlimina visit, because we were so early in the new year, uh, we went, we did the Adlimina for a week and then went to Siena for a week. Um, so, but this one was at Mount Angel and the, the retreat house since the had, since it's been renovated, it's just a wonderful mm-hmm. place, well worth going to. The monks' hospitality was just terrific, and Abbot Jeremy's conferences were also wonderful. It was uh, loosely based on his book, The awesome, awesome Glory, which talks about the importance of the resurrection. And then he added, as only Jeremy can do, mm-hmm. from his vast storehouse of knowledge, all these other things uh, talking about uh, liturgy, the Eucharist, how the resurrection's manifested in there. And as he is one of the five non-bishops, experts, consultants to the Vox Clara Committee for Translations, he also brings that whole experience, which is just wonderful.
0: Mm. When we talk about the role of the bishop, and you mentioned priest, prophet, and king, maybe just reflect a little bit about some of the ways in which the bishop, the archbishop, lives out those roles, and how you have been living out that role as an auxiliary bishop.
2: Yeah, so you look at it uh, as uh, the archbishop does that in his leadership in the archdiocese as the he is the locus of unity for the diocese. So when we think of the local church, people think of my parish, but the local church is the bishop in the diocese surrounded by priests, deacons, religious, and people. That's the local church. So when we talk about that, so the head of our local church here in the Archdiocese of Portland is the archbishop, surrounded by the rest of us. So that's the local church, and he exercises that function in his teaching role, and Archbishop Samples is very good about doing that, is celebrating the Eucharist, sanctifying so in a large territory, although I shouldn't complain, Brookings is our furthest parish, and it's six hours. And to get there the quickest, you actually drive down I-5, go through Northern California, and come back up. Right. <laughs> but we shouldn't complain. When I, was right. <laughs> a- when I was appointed a bishop, every year all the guys who are appointed bishops go to a new bishop seminar mm-hmm. in Rome, which, I, yeah, I'll say it. It's, a lot of it is just like boring stuff. This is what we do in our congregation in Rome. But there several elements of it that are just wonderful one is you get to meet the Holy Father. Another one is you, they take you down underneath St. Peter's to the grave of St. Peter. And they don't let people in there. But you can go in there just this once. That's a very moving mm. thing. Here is the grave of Peter. Mm-hmm. You know Now the bones aren't there. There's maybe one tiny fragment left in there. But the rest are all deeply buried in bomb-proof shelters underneath the Vatican somewhere. So there's that. And then there's also the fraternity you develop with one another. And when I went on, there were probably about 10, 12 Americans and Canadians. And then we hung out with the, There were two Australians, a couple of Scottish guys, and there were bunch, we all sort of hung out together. And the one Australian bishop, Bishop Columba Macbeth Green, he is the character of the Australian Bishops' Conference. And he looks like he escaped from the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> He's about five foot eight, with his neck starting from below his ears. He's got this goatee beard on. He's got this round face and this gruff voice. What a character! He was a, a community of Saint Paul uh, monk, and he was from the diocese of Volcania, Forbes, and that's as big as the tile geographic area of California. Mm. It has 100,000 people in it. It's in the Australian wow. outback, of which he has 30,000 Catholics. So he has to travel. He lives in the largest town in this diocese, and he travels eight hours to get <laughs> to his cathedral and nine hours to get to the, ne- the furthest parish from there. So a 17-hour road trip across the Australian outback, mm. and he's got his SUV there, and you have to put these massive like cattle guard bars around the front. Oh, my goodness. Not for cattle. But from all the, the kangaroos and everything out there, <laughs> and he has a little little uh, trailer that he tows on the back that has a bed in it and other things because and supplies, because what happens if you break down out there? right So we shouldn't complain yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know sometimes it uh, does it, it does get a little uncomfortable driving for six hours to get to to some of these these parishes. But what we do, you see with the arch, Archbishop sample, you see it particularly in confirmations. Mm-hmm. Uh Archbishop likes to get out to the different parishes. In fact, he tries, if his schedule permits, to visit every parish once every two years for confirmation. It's not always the case, but that's what we try to do uh, so that we get out and are uh, in those parishes. Another way you see the Archbishop doing that is in his visits to the vicariate parishes. So you'll go to a region and visit like five parishes in a region. Pray with the priests, meet with the priests, uh, celebrate masses in each parish, uh, do an op- do a, a sort of open house with the parishioners, and so on. Those those are ways in which you see the Archbishop exercising his function as sanctifying mm-hmm. um, through the sacraments. In a sense, governing by being out in those those situations and teaching in those circumstances. That we all, the Archbishop also teaches in the documents that he puts out there and he comes on radio and other things where he teaches, he teaches during his live streaming.
0: Right. And it just sounds like what we've been able to hear over the last year with Voice of the Shepherd, and you make reference to the time when all the priests came together for the special convocation with Father
2: Ricardo, Father
0: Ricardo was just, again, that, that, that teaching, that supporting, <clears throat> but almost, I guess, the spiritual fatherhood that's part of that, which has really come out in Archbishop's talking, in his homilies, about really this recognizing, I'm here for healing, I'm here to support the people, but in the role of a father.
2: And this is where technology has been a great help to us because during during the pandemic, we've used uh, social media platforms. We've used things like Teams, um, mm-hmm. Zoom, and so on to have priest webinars every month, yeah. Vickers meetings every other week. We get much better attendance because a guy doesn't have to drive from Medford right. to Portland <laughs> for a meeting. And then we can do hybrid meetings as well where we can live stream those who can't make it. So that's been wonderful. The archbishop has a much better connection with the priests that way. And, that's, and you can see the fruit of that coming out in the recent developments in the archdiocese, which it's, it's a wonderful story. I can tell it, but it's actually the archbishop's story. Mm-hmm. So you should get him on and just say, explain what the Holy Spirit's been doing for you, through you and with you, and with the priests of the archdiocese over the last year. Right. It's a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah. Well, as we are into this new year, Bishop Smith, and just to ask you, I know so many of our listeners, their call is to pray. What's the biggest prayer intention or or way in which we can really pray for you, for Archbishop Sample, uh, for Bishop Steiner and Bishop Vlasny, that we can continue to support our local
2: shepherds? Probably the best thing to do is for our health, physical and spiritual, Mm -hmm. because in the midst of all this, it's easy to get ground down. And you're on the road a lot, you're running, 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 and you're very, very busy, you begin to realize why uh, there are certain health challenges, particularly associated with uh, Catholic clergy, just in the way that we have to live our lives to take care of our needs.
0: Okay, we're going to keep that in prayer. And uh, again, thank you for spending some time with us today on Voice of the Shepherd. Would you help us close with your prayer and blessing?
2: Certainly. Let us pray. Lord, as we continue on into this year, we ask you to be with us. We ask you to bless us. And Lord, help us to see whatever ways that you call us to serve you and to serve your faithful people in this archdiocese. We ask you to bless us now. And may your blessing come down on us and remain with us now and always in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. And thank you for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale. And until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week.
1: You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.